0: Welcome to Out of Bounds. I am here for the NFL Week 15 recap. There are a bunch of games to get through. Um, I'm going to be honest. It wasn't the easiest task going through and picking which games to recap here. Um, There were a ton of random matchups that were just so lopsided that I was like, how do I even talk about this? For an example, the Raiders just destroyed the Chargers. 63 to 21 um the lions destroyed the broncos 42 to 17. the dolphins destroyed the jets 30 to zero the saints destroyed the giants 24 to 6. um and there were just yeah the 49ers just uh, they beat the cardinals 45 to 29 um yeah the ravens also destroyed the jaguars 23 to 7. There's just so many games here that I'm going through that I'm like, okay, I don't even know how to recap them. Um, But you know what? I'll give it a shot. And, you know, it's getting closer to Christmas. Um, Everyone has been, you know, a little bit more chill in their work or school or whatever it may be. As, you know, the holidays are approaching, work kind of slows down, everyone's kind of having a good time. So it's actually the perfect type of environment to listen to out-of-bounds and listen to my weekly NFL recap as the playoffs get closer and closer. Scenarios are starting to form. Scenarios are getting broken and twisted in so many different ways because there's like a billion different rules that we have to follow to see who's going to make the playoffs and who's not. And on top of that, it feels like half of the league is literally playing with like a backup quarterback. So the games are just super unpredictable. Um, <clears throat> but I'm going to do my best to recap them. So let's get into it. I am going to start with the Chicago Bears visiting the Cleveland Browns. Um, just general thoughts about the game. I thought, you know, overall, I thought, you know, the Bears were – the Bears should have won this game, in my opinion. Um, they ended up losing. Obviously, they've gotten, like, a little bit more respectable since their terrible start in the beginning of the year. Um, they're 5-9 and nine now, which, you know, isn't the bottom of the NFL – Um, slightly above that. And obviously, there's been this whole narrative with Justin Fields and, you know, is he the quarterback of the future? Should they draft a quarterback? You know, they'll have the Panthers pick as well to make a decision. Um, as for that, I don't know. But I will say that Justin Fields, he is just, you could say whatever you want about him. The one thing is that man knows how to avoid pressure and he can do it with his eyes closed. Um, I think uh, you know, in his first um I-, I thought both quarterbacks they faced a lot of pressure in the first quarter, um, which didn't have any scores. Um, and then, you know, overall the pressure is what led to a pretty bad Joe Flacco uh interception where, you know, he basically uh it's interception it's intercepted and it's taken back to the one yard line. Um And then after that, it's pretty much, you know, the Bears, they do take uh, to third and goal to score, but that's what the play I'm talking about where like the Browns defender basically has Justin Fields. He spins out of pressure, rolls to his left, I believe, um, and finds Cole Komet in the back of the end zone for a touchdown. Absolutely fantastic play by Justin Fields. Um but then you know a lot of things that i've noticed with these games just going through the recaps is they'll be scoreless for like a little bit but then one guy will score a touchdown and then suddenly the floodgates open and everyone just starts scoring after that um the browns responded with a touchdown drive of their own uh next next drive going 12 plays 84 yards um and scoring a touchdown i think overall it was like a pretty weird game for the browns um you know in that drive they did get a really deep pass to amari cooper Um, I would say, you know, it just took Joe Flacco a good amount of time to adjust to pressure, but the pressure still did affect him, right? He threw three interceptions, uh, which made this game a lot closer than it needed to be. But one thing I thought was insane is how good Chicago really shut down the rushing attack of Cleveland. Like I'm going through the carries here. Jerome Ford, eight carries, 20 yards. Kareem Hunt, seven carries, eight yards. They basically like... The Browns' foundation on offense is these two running backs, Jerome Ford and Kareem Hunt. I've talked about it on this podcast, and those two were basically reduced to nothing. Um, The Browns also just called so many passes. Like Joe Flacco literally threw 44 passes, had 44 pass attempts, um, 374 yards, two touchdowns, three picks on the day, sacked four times. Um, Meanwhile, Justin Fields, 19 for 40, 166 yards. One touchdown and two picks. He was sacked three times. So not the best, you know, games from the QBs. Uh, Lots of incomplete passes here. Like I said, the pressure just had a huge impact on both of them. Um, And I think that's why we see, like, all – like, these strange uh, stat lines. But the one thing for the Browns that they did have going is, you know, I thought they were the team that was able to make big plays – And even if your team is struggling, as long as you can string together a couple of big plays, sometimes that's all the difference in the game. Um, And the Browns, they did just that. So, like I said, um, they had that, you know, huge play to Amari Cooper on that drive. Amari Cooper had, like, four catches for, like, 109 yards. Um, So his average, you know, obviously his average catch is 27.3 yards. So he was, like, they were only going to him for big plays pretty much. Um, But, yeah, on that first – Touchdown drive. Let's see that the that the Browns had. Um, Amari Cooper has a forty-two yard pass that pretty much sets up the score. Um, after that, it's a pass to Tillman who goes to for th- uh, thirteen yards to the one yard line. Um, after a few small run plays, um, and then David Njoku ends up getting the touchdown. Um, yeah, and then you know after that, the I think Justin Fields ends up uh, trying to throw like a deep pass that gets picked off at the end of the half. I guess it's kind of like a Hail Mary. Um, So I don't even know if you can really count him for that interception. But um, anyways, still going through. Uh, Let's see. So this is the part that's crazy, right? So um, Joe Flacco overall, like the interceptions are one thing, but there's like other – I guess sometimes, you know, if you have pressure bearing down on you – it's hard to avoid turnovers as a quarterback, especially if you're like a backup quarterback and you know, you're know you just kind of thrust in these situations. Like the, These are the reasons why they are backup quarterbacks, right? Like When they are faced with pressure, they're going to turn the ball over at a higher clip than most of what you would expect from the starters. But again, whenever you get pressure, pretty much all bets are off the table and anything can happen. Um, but the one thing is... For Joe Flacco, like, there was one... So, basically, it's the start of the third quarter. This is when, you know, the Browns' defense forces a punt on the Bears. Again, they only had one touchdown drive going. The rest of their offensive drives pretty much just ended in punts or interceptions. Um, So, basically, I guess, you know, Joe Flacco is trying to check it down to Tillman, who's like three or four yards ahead of the line of scrimmage. But there's so much traffic there. So, basically, he lodges it in. Tillman gets popped the second his hands touch the ball. Tremaine Edmonds, like, just the ball's in the air. Tremaine Edmonds is in the right spot at the right time. He collects the ball, returns it 45 yards for an interception. And suddenly, the Browns are up another score. Or, sorry, the Bears are up 14-7 to at that point. And it was just kind of, like, an easy giveaway that I thought, you know, could have been avoided. Um, Like, sometimes, like, I know a lot of, like, times, like if you're a quarterback and you're trying to pick, play conservative, they say to, like, take the check down. But you got to see when there's, like, a crowd. Like, throwing into a crowd is just never a good idea. Um, and especially on that play, like, I was just like, dang, like I didn't really like that decision um, by, by Joe Flacco to try to jam it in there when there's, like, two defenders. So whenever there's two defenders, like, you know, one guy can, like, make a hit and the other guy can get the ball, it always doesn't end up well. Um, but after that, you know, the Browns, they end up punting. Um, Justin Fields ends up uh, you know, leading a field goal drive, a bunch of more punts. Um, and then after that, that and then Joe Flacco throws another interception. Um, just a ton of interceptions by him, but he kind of gets uh he, he kind of comes through after that on a field goal drive, a touchdown drive. On a touchdown drive, Amari Cooper again, fifty-one yards. He kind of broke free. There were so many passes where Joe Flacco like tried to like Sling it through coverage, and a lot of them he missed in that game. But that walk, the go ahead touchdown to Amari Cooper was one where he actually connected. So I definitely got to give him credit for that. Um, overall, on the Bears side, I mean, I thought you know they were slightly better at running the ball. Like Rashawn Johnson only had five carries for 36 yards, but again, seven yards per carry average. Justin Fields himself, seven carries, 30 yards. Um, lots of you know, not too many big plays by them, like their longest. Uh, play was to Tyler Scott who had a 30-yard catch and then DJ Moore also had a 27-yard catch outside of that you know Rashawn Johnson at 12 yards it was just like a bunch of like short check downs and they were kind of running the ball and trying to get first downs and they weren't that successful with it like if you look at it <laughs> the only two touchdowns that they did score were because their defense just got turnovers right and one it's the pick that sets them up at the one yard line Justin Fields makes a play to Cole Kmet. Um, and then, you know, the bears pick six, they get the pick six that puts them up 14 on that. They just get one field goal drive. So I got to give credit to the Browns defense. Uh, they definitely kept them in the game. Um, because if they had scored any more than that, I don't think Joe Flacco was playing well enough to actually go ahead and win. Um, but just in terms of overall context of the game, like this one is pretty significant, right? If the Browns lose this, you would be seeing a scenario where they're most likely outside of the wild card. Um, Taking a look at the playoff picture, the Browns are the five seed right now, and this win for them was huge. If they had lost, they would have been eight and six, tied with the Bengals and the Colts and the Texans and the Bills, and then all of these you know tiebreakers would kick in. Um, if you're an AFC team in that wild card picture, hoping for you know some good luck, there was nothing going on because the Browns, Bengals, Colts, Texans, Bills all came up with victories. Um, this weekend, um, I guess the two that did lose were the Steelers and the Broncos. So, you know, we'll see. They're only one game back, so it's not the end of the world. But just the fashion that both of them lost makes it seem like a little bit discouraging. Um, I would say, you know, all four teams, five teams above – all four to five teams above them are playing at a way better uh, level than they are. Um, yeah, so – Anyways, yeah, that was about it for the um, Browns-Bears game. Again, yeah, the games weren't too, you know... I I feel like a lot of the games, like, there's just, like... The scores were close, but it wasn't as intense as it seemed. And the other games were just blowouts. So just bear with me for this week. Hopefully we get a little bit of a better slate um, next week. But anyways, moving on to the Rams and Commanders game... um, This one ends with the Los Angeles Rams winning 28-20 over the Washington Commanders. Honestly, the the Rams kind of destroyed the Commanders um, in this one. I thought they were very, very sharp. Um, You know, Matthew Stafford and that Rams offense, they always come out looking sharp. They're just, you know, whatever plays they call to start the game, I don't know what they have. But it's like that script is going to work every time uh, in a Sean McVay offense. And that's kind of what they had cooking. So, you know, the like I said, um, the Rams offense, they're sh- very sharp. Matthew Stafford, you know, he's starting to build a little bit of a connection with Demarcus Robinson. And he's kind of making his imprint as like a third wide receiver for the Rams. Obviously, they have Puka and Cooper Cup. Um, but, you know, Demarcus Robinson, he did make some plays in this game. So, he had one rush for 23 yards, and then, you know, in receiving, he had two catches for 44 yards and one touchdown. I know it's not all that, like, you know, eye-popping stat-wise, but with the amount that Matthew Stafford be spamming his top two receivers in Cooper Cup and Puka, like, that is as good as you can hope for, you know, from from a third wide receiver perspective. Um, yeah, I thought the commanders, they really struggled on offense, to be honest, Uh Sam Howell had probably like his worst game of the season, one of his worst games of the season. He was 11 for 26, 102 yards, one touchdown and one pick. And then he was later benched for Jacoby Brissett, who actually came in and led this um, last, you know, kind of surge for the commanders who scored 20 points in the second half and kind of made it somewhat close. Um, It didn't it never really felt like the commanders were going to win, but it was a little bit scary for the Rams for sure. Um, Jacoby Brissett came in Was 8 for 10 124 yards Two touchdowns I don't know Maybe it wasn't really Sam Howell's day Um, He had a lot of passes Like kind of like Batted down And he was just Really struggling It's kind of weird Because as Like you know um, I've seen him play Throughout the season A couple of times Here and there And I haven't really Noticed his size Making a difference But this game Like it kind of Felt like it did um, Just because of How many passes Got batted down Right And it wasn't just, like, random passes. Like, these are, like, significant plays, like, a third and short, fourth and short um, that got batted down. And then it's just like, dang, like, we didn't even have a chance in this, um, which makes sense, which is why the commanders, you know, eventually benched uh, Sam Howell and put in Brissett. It looks like, you know, from what I saw that, you know, Sam Howell is still the starter. It looks like they just wanted to try to – maybe they kind of thought, like, okay, we're just getting blown out. Might as well preserve his health and just put in Jacoby. But then Jacoby ended up balling a little bit. Um, And, you know, that's just kind of how it went. Um, I thought, you know, um, it it sucked because for them, like the commanders, like they started off a little bit well. Like they had a fourth and two conversion to Terry McLaurin. That's when Sam Howell was still in the game. And then, you know, they went for another fourth and one, and that's the one that got batted down. Um, But, again, I, I don't like that call. And it's always risky going for multiple fourth and short conversions in one drive like normally you can get it once getting it multiple times on the same drive is a little bit tough um but again on a fourth and one like sometimes you would want to just see like just try to run the ball um maybe try a qb sneak or even just take the field goal like there's nothing wrong with getting points early in the game in my opinion um and they were like pretty close to i think they were like on the 20 or 30 yard line uh when that fourth and short wasn't converted Um, speaking of Terry McLaurin, he had a monster game, six catches, 141 yards and one touchdown. He was really the reason that like, you know, the commanders had a chance at all. But again, like I thought he actually made plays for both Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett. Whereas like the rest of the receivers like barely got going uh, when Sam Howell was in there. Curtis Samuel also played pretty well. Five catches, 41 yards, two touchdowns. And again, like this offense is missing Brian Robinson too. Um, who obviously makes an impact for them. Like, he's a huge back. And, then, you know, in that fourth and one, if you have Brian Robinson out there, maybe you do run the ball with him and maybe you do convert it. So, you know, um, they do have that going for them. Um, in addition to that, I guess another guy I want to mention is Kyron Williams. Like, Kyron Williams went ham in this game. He had 27 carries for 152 yards and one touchdown, which is, like, a very absurd stat line, obviously. Um and then, you know, I think I read off, you know, Cooper Cup, eight catches, 111 yards, one touchdown. Puka also had five catches, 50 yards. But Kyron, man, he was so, playing so, so well. The only thing that kind of, like, you know, um, dampened his night was he, I think he did, did have, like, back-to-back fumbles um, in the first half, and they lost both of them. And those two fumbles, without those two fumbles, like, I literally think it would have been, like, 40 Like by halftime or not okay 40 is kind of gas it would have been like at least like 28 um zero by halftime um because the commander's offense was just or sorry the ram's offense was just clicking in that first half like they had the field goal they had a fumble they had a touchdown they had a fumble and they had a field goal so two field goals one touchdown and then two fumbles right so even if they do kick field goals on those two drives they're still up like 20 to 0 at halftime um compared to being up only 13. so Oh, sorry, 19, uh, not 20. My math is a little bit off. I'm on break, guys. You guys got to give me, give me a little bit leeway here. Um, but anyways, by break, I mean a break from work, not from podcasting, because out of bounds is life. Um, <laughs> anyways, um, yeah, so, you know, if not for Kyron Williams, the two fumbles, I honestly think the Rams would be up way bigger at halftime um and and their defense the rams defense i give them credit like they did a good job like they didn't allow any scores right off of those fumbles and that kind of left them to stay in the game um the commander's defense on the other hand i thought they had a couple of meltdowns they left like they left cooper cup wide open uh for his touchdown um i'm trying to find which one that was so it's not the kyron williams one i think it's in the second half yeah so 62 yards, like, he's just, left wide open. <laughs> he just runs it in for a touchdown. And that's, like, their best wide receiver. So it's kind of, you know, it's really bad to have those sort of breakdowns um, defensively, especially if you're trying to win the game. Um, and then, you know, they finally just got in a place where they got good field position, and that's what eventually led to their first touchdown uh, to Curtis Samuel. Um and then, you know, McLaurin, he had made some insane plays. He had this crazy one-handed snag that got overturned, man. Oh, Terry McLaurin, dude, he's so good. He has just these random games where he snaps, and then he has, like, random games where he barely gets any targets. I don't know. I, I feel bad for him, man. I-, I feel like his stat line would be literally ridiculous if he was on another team. Um, and-, and I don't know. His, I think his contract is uh, – he's up for a contract extension soon, so I'm very interested to see – um, obviously, if you're the commanders, you're doing everything you can to pay him. Um, but I'm sure other teams would want to make a run at him. Um, and yeah, and then I guess you know towards the end, um, the the um sorry, the commanders really do start to go on their run once they put in uh, Jacoby Brissett. He leads a touchdown drive, five plays, 67 yards, nine plays, 65 yards. And then you know they're within one score, but then it was such a weird ending because the extra point gets blocked. And then you know once the Rams get the ball back, uh, they basically have, you know, I think jo- I guess they did try for an onside kick, but it went out of bounds. So the the Rams just got the ball from there. Then after that, they just converted a few first downs, um, and then that was the game pretty much right then and there. So again, it wasn't like one that I really thought the commanders had a chance of winning. But Kyron Williams, you know, his fumbles kind of kept them lingering around. And then when they did put in Jacoby Brissett, the commanders did see a little bit of success. Um, uh, Yeah, it's about it for this one. Uh, I'm not really too sure what else to say about this one. Um, Anyways, moving on to some more slightly interesting games. Um, At least for me, uh, you know, if it's a midweek and the Colts win, I can always talk about the Colts. So. I'm gonna talk about the Indianapolis Colts winning 30 to 13 over the Pittsburgh Steelers. This was massive for the Colts, um, you know. And, and the crazy thing about this game is the Colts actually had a terrible start to the game. Um, the Steelers basically, you know, um, uh, they they had a punt on their first drive. The Colts drove the ball with a couple of short peppering plays to Michael Pittman. And they're in field goal range, and then Matt Gay misses a 56-yarder, um, and then you know that kind of shifted the momentum. After that, um, the Steelers drove down 54 yards, and they score a tu- they scored a touchdown. Um, it was a Mitch Trubisky run on fourth and goal, um, and then Chris Boswell ends up missing the PAT. Um, again, you know that's probably the only good drive of offense that the Steelers really had. Um, and then, but again, things continued to spiral for the Colts. On the next drive, they went three and out. They had a punt blocked. Um, and then so, like, th- these were really uncharacteristic of the Colts who are otherwise pretty much sound on special teams. Like, Matt Gay has been fantastic this year. He did have a stinker against the Bengals, and then, you know, he's he missed a few against the Steelers. So, you know, it's a little bit concerning. You definitely want to keep an eye on that, but you would hope a guy of Matt Gay's caliber can kind of bounce back from that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, after that block punt, the Steelers were set up at, like, the one-yard line. Um, they score a touchdown to Deontay Johnson for four yards. Um, and then after that, the Colts start getting back into the game. Um, that Their first touchdown drive, they basically, you know, had huge plays to Michael Pittman. Man, I feel so bad for Michael Pittman because he was so primed for, like, a monster game. Um, he basically had, like, four catches for, like, 78 yards. Within the first quarter and like two minutes into the second quarter, that was his stat line. Four catches, 78 yards. Like he was primed to have a monster game. Um, but then uh, he was basically taken out on a targeting play. Um, I'm trying to see what play it was on. Uh, I think it's the drive after that, actually. Um, but yeah, basically, you know, yeah, yeah, this is the one. So I forget the guy's first name, but his last name is Kazi on the Steelers. Minshew tries to throw a deep pass. Um, That guy just takes out Michael Pittman. Definitely looked like a very bad hit. He did get up and walk, and it looked like he was going to be okay. But, you know, after last season, I've already mentioned it, with those sort of concussions, the NFL is just being super, super cautious. And they are kind of just, you know, if anyone looks like they're concussed, those guys are getting taken out of the game. But, again, I feel so bad for Michael Pittman because he was primed for a career day before he got hit um again 78 yards after like the first quarter has to be like some sort of career high for him you know after first quarter uh i'm pretty much sure because i've pretty much watched almost every game he's played um yeah so after that he was out the castillo's guy got disqualified um but yeah i mean you know they so so yeah uh on that drive gardner Minshew gets a pass to zach moss who also goes down you know after that he doesn't re-enter the game um but then, you know, the Colts' defense really changed the momentum of the game. On the next drive, they had a deep pass uh, by Trubisky that Nick Cross picked off. Um, Tyquan Lewis on the defensive line applied a little bit of pressure, and uh, Trubisky overthrew it slightly, but Nick Cross made a big play. Nick Cross actually mossed um, George Pickens on that one. A cross moss for the pick. I like that. Let's go with that. A cross moss for the pick. Um <laughs> But, he, yeah, he, Nick Cross has slowly been getting a little bit more and more playing time. He's starting to play well. Great play by him. And the reason that's significant is because after that, Mitchell Trubisky was not the same. Like, he was missing a bunch of easy throws. And, you know, after a little bit of a good start by the Steelers offense, uh, he kind of withered away into the quarterback that, you know, has had problems throughout his career, um, especially in, you know, Chicago and wherever else he was, like, All of his issues kind of came to the surface after that, and you could tell he was a little bit rattled after that. Um, Anyways, yeah, but the Colts, you know, they turn it over on downs after that, uh, which is a little bit unfortunate for them. But, you know, after that, again, six plays, 31 yards, Colts' defense forces a punt. But then here's the biggest mistake. I think on that, you know, when they turn it over on downs, um, I think it's DJ Montgomery who entered the game after Pittman went out he started to get a bunch of targets from Gardner Minshew. He basically had the pass. You know, he was, like, kind of diving. He had the pass. It bounced around out of his hands. And, you know, it kind of sucked uh, after, you know, his uh, his catch didn't make it. Uh, he, he just had a pretty bad drop, but, you know, he just entered the game. He had a little bit of redemption on the next drive. Um, you know, basically, the Colts drew a deep pass interference penalty on a target to Alec Pierce. Who's been notorious for doing that? 26 yards, Um, and then a deep before that a deep pass to DJ Montgomery, 34 yards, and then DJ Montgomery brings in the score for 14 yards. That is like utterly the momentum I shifted by then. Because if you're the Steelers, like you're up 13-7, there's only 44 seconds left in the half. Like worst case, just give up field goal. You're up three. You can let you know Trubisky calm down at halftime. But then giving up a touchdown, the Colts are up one score at that point. Um, And that's when, you know, the Steelers defense really started to unravel, too. Um, Basically, after that, the Colts just started running the ball so well, even without Zach Moss. Um, And they didn't even need to really throw the ball that much after that, right? Like Pittman led the game four catches, 78 yards. No one else really needed to do anything after that. DJ Montgomery had two catches for 48 yards on that drive before halftime that I just talked about. Other than that, no one really did much. Uh, Mo Ali cox had two catches for 21 yards and one touchdown. Um, Josh Downs had three catches for 19 yards. Pierce had one catch for 13. Just a bunch of, uh, you know, small plays receiving-wise, but let me read to you the running back stats. Trey Sermon entered the game, 17 carries, 88 yards, long of 19. Tyler Goodson entered the game, 11 carries, 69 yards, 6.3, 31 yards. Basically what happened is, the Colts' offensive line started mauling the Pittsburgh Steelers' defense, and that just led to wide open running lanes that Sermon and Goodson were able to take advantage of, man. Um, there were a couple of big plays with Big Q, Quentin Nelson, pulling and running out in space. And I'm telling you, no DB wants to see Big Q in space because he is a menace. There's that one video a couple years ago of him stre- screaming when he's like taking out the Jacksonville Jaguars guy. That guy is terrifying. He is an all-pro guard. And it's a good bounce back game uh for the Colts um offensive line, especially, you know, they didn't have Braden Smith this game. Um and they were letting up a little bit of sacks. I think they gave up like two sacks on like the first drive or something to Gardner Minshew. Um Gardner Minshew was sacked. I guess I think it was TJ Watt maybe both times. Uh not positive, but I'll take a look at that. Let's see. Yeah, TJ Watt both times. Uh and then Larry Ogunjobi had also won. Um, but again, after that, you know, the Colts defen- uh, offensive line started protecting him and they started running the ball well. Um, and, you know, when you're down your best wide receiver, your top two running backs who are the foundation of your offense, um, when your offensive line is playing that well and you can put in your third and fourth running back and they're getting, you know, huge running plays like this, it's pretty hard to lose. Um, the Colts were in complete control after that game. Then or after that, they ended up scoring 16 more points. Um, Mitchell Trubisky actually was benched at the end for Mason Rudolph. And that kind of felt similar, you know, not the same as Sam Howell, but because, you know, I think Mitchell Trubisky is actually being benched for Mason Rudolph. Um, but again, it was just like, okay, like this is not going well and we need him. Uh, and it sucks because, you know, Kenny Pickett is done for the year. And that's really going to be sucky for the Steelers, like who had such a great start, but they lost so many. Their their team is kind of unraveling right now. Uh, they have three Uh, losses the two before were really bad to the cardinals and the patriots um and then the colts obviously a better team than the other two but still a pretty bad loss they have games against the Bengals, the seahawks the ravens it's not looking good for the steelers and if they're playing mason rudolph i genuinely do not think that they're going to be able to go um and their defense is facing the pressure right because their offense is not doing well um so yeah i think the steelers are going to be done Meanwhile, you know, looking at the Colts' schedule, um, they have a pretty favorable end here. They have two games against the Falcons and the Raiders, and then, you know, a game against the Texans. Obviously, that Texans one would be huge because the Texans are kind of on the Colts' heels. That literally might decide who makes the wild card. So, you know, it could be a win-or-go-home scenario uh, in the last week of the season. But you, as a Colts team, like, you would really think that they... Would have a good chance of winning against the Falcons and the Raiders. I know they did score 63 points, but still that Chargers team was ready to unravel as well. So um, not going to be easy games, but, you know, two beatable teams and the Colts have, you know, for the most part, they've done good against beatable teams. Um, their only losses have come to the Saints, the Browns, Jaguars, you know, Rams uh, and Bengals so far who are all playing pretty well. And, uh, you know, even the Bengals, even without Burrow, like the Bengals have been a good team. Um, and you know that's actually a perfect transition to talking about the Bengals because the next game I'm going to go to uh, is the Minnesota Vikings losing to the Cincinnati Bengals at home, um, 27 to 24. Um, yeah, I mean the Bengals, you know, let's just say it, like they like Jake Browning has played very very well. Um, I would say that you know their the Bengals coaching staff does a good job of, you know, scheming a little bit of easy plays. But Jake Browning does make a few great throws here and there, and their receivers also make great plays. Um, I would say that, you know, both these teams are playing with backup quarterbacks. The Vikings are running out Nick Mullins. uh, The uh, Bengals are obviously running out Jake Browning. So, you know, it's a little bit hard to tell with what you're going to get from both these quarterbacks. Um, the offensive coach, the coordinators and the head coaches are definitely trying to make an easy enough game plan that even their backup QBs can execute it. But it's really hard to say because, like, a backup QB at some point is going to make a mistake, right? And you can see it in their stat lines. Like, um, Jake Browning, 29 for 42, 324 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. Um, Nick Mullins, 26 for 33, 303 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. I honestly thought, like in the beginning, like the Vikings pretty much dominated for most of the game until the fourth quarter. Like going into the fourth quarter, it was 17 to three, and the Bengals just suddenly start rattling off a ton of touchdowns. Um, and they scored 21 in the fourth to come from behind and beat the Vikings 27 to 24. And a lot of it had like the reason the Vikings were in control was because Ty Chandler was just making a like a, um, a great plays. Ty Chandler, the backup running back uh, without uh, Madison, came into this game. He had 23 carries for 132 yards, uh, basically like a six-yard per carry average. He also ended up scoring a touchdown in this one. He played great. Um, I give him a ton of credit, you know, stepping up. He stepped up big time, um, and he was the reason why the Vikings were competitive. And then on the other hand, I thought, you know, Nick Mullins, he made uh, a bunch of – decently you know not like two difficult throws to Justin Jefferson TJ Hawkinson they all had good games right if you go through the Vikings uh, Jefferson seven catches 84 yards Hawkinson six catches 63 yards we need to talk about Jordan Addison because he straight balled in this game um Jordan Addison man he had a insane catch for both of his touchdowns honestly um that guy just make play, makes plays. He had, he had six catches for 111 yards, two touchdowns. He was balling out in this one. Um, both of Mullen's touchdowns went to Jordan Addison. Um, and, you know, it, like the Bengals' defense, like they had up their ups and downs. Um, I thought, you know, overall the Vikings, both teams, like in general, they were able to move the ball well, um, decently. Um, but then the execution when they got to the red zone wasn't the greatest. Because, you know, with the way that the Vikings were moving the ball, like, they should have been in a position to be a lot more than, you know, just two scores ahead um, for most of the game. And, you know, yeah, Mullen, like I said, Mullins was able to hit Hawkinson, Addison, and Jefferson. But then the Cincinnati defense, you know, they made a few plays uh, to keep them in the game. They got a good amount of pressure on Nick Mullins. Three three sacks for 22 yards. Um, but then, again, it was like back and forth. Like, I thought... The Bengals' defense, like, they they were bad against the run, but they uh, they were bad against the run, right? Obviously, Ty Chandler, I said he had 132 yards. And then a couple of their blitz plays, you know, the Vikings were really able to take advantage. I think the one touchdown where Jordan Addison, he makes the catch by his feet, I think that was his second one, it was basically coming off a Cincinnati blitz where, you know, there was just no one left in coverage once Addison cleared that first guy. And the other, then the defender also dove, so Addison kind of ran for free, ran, uh, ran into the end zone untouched after he caught it very low. Um, and you know the Bengals defense, it sucked because they did get a pick six. Um, let's see who was that? Jermaine Pratt, I think, was the one. He did get a pick six, but Trey Hendrickson actually ended up jumping a little bit um, earlier on that one, and it got called back because the offsides. Um, and then it was kind of a momentum shift because after that, that's when Jordan Addison gets his second touchdown. Um, but then, you know, again, most of the game, they were pretty much checked out, but they really came alive in that fourth quarter. Um, Browning settled in. He made a bunch of nice throws to T. Higgins. T. Higgins, man, that sec- the, his touch, his second touchdown catch was ridiculous. T. Higgins, he literally, oh, my God. Basically, Jake Browning just threw the ball moonshot like super high t higgins with his all like six foot five or whatever tall he is probably jumped like 12 feet into the air to catch to come he came back to the ball jumps 12 feet catches the ball turns around extends like that and scores like without even moving his feet oh man what an insane use of his athleticism and length to score a touchdown t higgins man well wh- i never seen anything like that like that was ridiculous especially without even moving his feet. Like, he just, like, jumped, caught, turned, like, in one fluid motion, man. That was so smooth. Um, and, and, like, and then Tyler Bolt like, they all made plays. Like, Jamar Chase had a couple of big plays. Um, Tyler Boyd was the one that, like, had the uh, big play to kind of seal their, uh, vic- like, their overtime victory. Like, he had a 44-yard uh, catch and run on that play. Um, Joe Mixon started getting involved. He scored there a a touchdown as well. Um, He made a couple of plays on, you know, third and short, fourth and short that, you know, uh, pushed the ball forward and got the Bengals some scores. Um, But, yeah, I mean, overall, very impressive win by the Bengals. Again, for them, like, this is such an important game. Like, if they lose this, they are, you know, every loss, like, you could, like, literally be out of the playoffs. Um, so coming up for them the Bengals they have games against the Steelers the Chiefs and the Browns Um, again the Steelers one is probably easier for them but the last two are obviously going to be difficult with the Chiefs and the Browns both also going to be fighting for playoff position Um, it's going to be interesting to see the one thing I will say is like it seems like out of all these teams in that stretch the Colts have like one of the easier schedules to go so you know I would give them a higher chance of making it probably but This Bengals team is on a roll, man. Like, they've won three games in a row against the Jaguars, Colts, and Vikings. Like, those are all three decent teams, Um, especially with the Vikings with getting Justin Jefferson back. Like, they're going to be good with him uh, on the field for sure. Um, And they did put up good accounting stats, but, again, it wasn't enough to get the victory. Um, Yeah. I I give a ton of credit to the Bengals for coming alive in the fourth quarter and winning this game. Um, And, you know, Jake Browning – he had an epic moment where he's, like, screaming at the Vikings, they never should have cut me. Like, that's tough. I love shit like that. Um, you know, it, it's a game of emotion, and, you know, the backup quarterbacks, like, it's rough for them, man. Like, they suddenly get thrust into the games. They're barely practicing. Like, they don't get that much reps in training camp and all these, like, preseason um, stuff like that. Like, they're just, like, it's really hard to be a backup quarterback. And whenever they have a good game like Jake Browning did, you got to give them credit for sure. Um, and I and that Bengals offense man I, you gotta give them credit like I know they're really talented but like it takes a full team effort to like be good like this and you know let's see because uh, they're eight and six they could still make the playoffs like even without Joe burrow that's crazy like I remember thinking when they Joe burrow got hurt like this might be raps for the season especially because they always like you know they started off bad and then they lost a couple and then Joe burrow got hurt um but they've kind of found themselves again on this winning streak so. Good for them. Anyways, moving on to one of the marquee matchups in this game. Um, this whole game was just insane. Like again, it was a blow. Uh, like I said, there were so many blowouts, but this was the marquee matchup: the Dallas Cowboys on their insane run of you know beating the. Eagles and Seahawks and Commanders and Panthers and Giants. Like they were straight destroying teams, right? The Seahawks one was close, but other than that, they were putting up tons of points and just blowing out teams. They take a trip to Buffalo and they get blown out themselves. The Buffalo Bills win 31 to 10. A statement win by the Bills, who have been, you know, a little bit up and down this season, but this game was ridiculous. The Buffalo Bills dominated this game on the ground. Like, James Cook is the headliner of this game. Not no Josh Allen. This is James. This is the James Cook game. James Cook, 25 carries, 179 yards, one touchdown. Average per carry, 7.2 yards. And if you watch the game, like, you, it literally looks like every single carry that James Cook had went for like eight yards. Like, there was not one carry he had that he was like stopped short. It, like the seven, like normally, it's a little bit like you know skewed. If like the running back has like one forty yard rush, then obviously his average is gonna shoot up. But his longest rush was only twenty four yards. So I kid you not, like you watch this game, James Cook is literally getting eight carries, like eight eight yards per carry every single time, um, and it's crazy. Like Josh Allen only had to throw the ball fifteen times for ninety four yards. He threw it one touchdown, but again, they did not need him to throw the ball. And again, with this Dallas offense that's so explosive, the one way that you can kind of stymie them is just keep running the ball if it's successful because that's going to take time off the clock. That's not going to give them the ball and it's going to let you move the ball down the field, kill some clock and score. And the Buffalo Bills did that. They stuck to their game plan. I got to give their defense credit. Their defense, like overall, the Buffalo Bills, they just came out physical, like Um, The Cowboys are a physical team at home, but they got out physical in this game, like starting with the Buffalo Bills offensive line, obviously, you know, paving the way for James Cook, as I mentioned. But then also, like, you know, early on, I thought, you know, Dak Prescott, like they got a good amount of pressure on Dak Prescott. They had him moving around. The secondary was kind of covering up their receivers. There weren't too many, uh, you know openings for Dak Prescott to throw so he was starting to take off and the Bills defenders that came up on Dak they were delivering some shots like they literally got flagged twice um for like you know a hard hit on Dak and I'm like damn like these guys are coming like these guys are coming to win like they're playing physical um CeeDee Lamb like he had seven catches for 53 yards Jake Ferguson had six catches for 44 yards but all in all man like it was pretty much a dominating win by the buffalo bills um again just super aggressive like james cook i i feel like i called him dalvin but (laughs) james cook had 100 yards by seven minutes in the second quarter like that is ridiculous that's just domination on the ground like why would you go away from that when it's working so well um and then you know like here's one it's like very early on but i really feel like this is when um like the game changed like I thought it was you know in early on in the game um the Bills score a touchdown um they the Cowboys punt, the Bills punt and then after that, you know, the Cowboys punt again and then basically here's what happens, right? So they um uh, there's like a there's a uh, yeah, so here it is, right? So Josh Allen has a pass to uh James Cook for 24 yards um or sorry Wrong one. Uh, it's third and eight at the Buffalo 26-yard line. They have forced a punt. Josh Allen just threw the ball away. So at this point, it's 14. Uh, sorry, it's 7-0 only, and the Bills are punting back to the Cowboys, who have a chance to tie it up after that. Maybe they get a roughing the kicker call, which gives the Bills the ball on the 41-yard line, and then the James Cook, um, you know, 24-yard play happens. And it, it's such a backbreaker, right? Like, your defense forces a three and out. You have a chance to get the ball back and tie the game. And then instead, you give up a you. the roughing the passer, leads to another big play to James Cook um, through the air. And they end up scoring a touchdown. Now you're down two scores. And that was, that was just, like, a pretty big momentum swing. I feel like after that, the Cowboys could just never catch up, right? Um, but, again, like... it it was just the james cook show through and through Stephon diggs did have four catches for 48 yards he literally had like half of uh, josh allen's passing yards and james cook himself also had two catches for 42 yards through the air and he just had an insanely monster game man even he even had like a drop touchdown pass like if he caught that i would have been like dang I, i don't even know what to say um but again like this is just so important for this bills team Because I'm telling you, they have a weapon in James Cook out of the backfield that they have not had under the Josh Allen era. And that makes them tough to guard. It makes them super tough to guard. I know their record is not the same as it used to be because they had, like, you know, a little bit, they were up and down this year. But again, like, going to Buffalo is going to be hard for anyone to win there. Um, And I'm very interested to see, you know, how they play. Um, Yeah, I mean, a couple of other. there's not much else left to say on that game for me just because, you know, it was kind of like a blowout, but good job, James Cook, man. You kind of carried. Um, And, you know, with this really bad performance by Dak Prescott, he only had 134 yards with one pick. I think that might actually drop him down the MVP ladder. And I don't even know who's the favorite right now. Like it might be Brock Purdy, but yeah, it might be legitimately Brock Purdy because You know, he played the Cardinals. He had 242 yards and four touchdowns. Whereas, like, you know, Hurts and um, Dak have put up stinkers recently. Purdy has not. He's been clicking on all cylinders. He's been playing great. So, I don't know. You got to give it to him. Uh, He might be it. I don't know if he deserves it because his skill players are great. But at this point, he's probably the favorite. Um, Let's see. Yeah, a couple of uh, playoff notes. So, after this uh i'm going to check in the standings right now um after this week the tennessee titans did lose to the houston texans 19 to 16 in overtime with that loss they are effectively eliminated from the playoffs um week 15 just went by so i think there's only like three there's only three games left three weeks left now um so you know they're not going to make up the distance eight to even if they want out they would be eight and nine they need all these other teams to lose out, and I'm sure they because of tiebreakers, they won't get in. So the Tennessee Titans are eliminated. The New York Jets also got destroyed by the Miami Dolphins. Um, they were just not in that game whatsoever. They got shut out entirely. Um, they have also been eliminated. The Pages were obviously eliminated a while ago. Um, the Commanders have, I think, been eliminated with that loss. They might have been eliminated before. I'm not sure. Um yeah, I actually I don't know. I guess the Bears won. The Bears lost this week, and they were still in it, so maybe they had a chance before this week. I think the Commanders also eliminated. Um, the, the Cardinals and Panthers are also obviously eliminated. But dang, the, NF, the NFC is crazy too. Like, yeah, like they're every team from the 13th seed in either conference upwards is pretty much still alive. Um, but again, I'm gonna be paying attention to these playoff scenarios. Next week, if whoever gets eliminated, um, we can talk about it as well. Um, But, yeah, anyways, thanks for listening, guys. That is my NFL Week 15 recap. Um, I'll talk to you guys next week. Um, And, you know, next week, Christmas will have gone by. So wishing everyone who listens a very Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. I hope everyone is having great, wholesome time at home and watching some football because I definitely will be, too. Anyways, guys. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye.